0: Thank God. Dear Lord God, we are grateful for this aggressive book of the Bible. The shake-up that it is to all of us as we find ourselves getting more religious with time and less like your apostles expected. We'd ask that we would examine ourselves once again. Bless the teaching of the word in your son's name. Amen. Amen well we're in Galatians 5 as you expected because we were in Galatians 4 last week and you're feeling a little bruised perhaps you can't move very freely four chapters of Galatians will do that to somebody they're feeling oh my gosh all my sacred cows they're dead turned into hamburger by Saint Paul and you think you know maybe he's working his way to some sort of pleasant ending well he's not there yet folks Galatians 5 is it's wonderful, but you will notice that I have violated the text. I have done something that Adobe PageMaker allows me to do. <coughs> Insert my own words in between the verses of St. Paul. They are in brackets. It is the same verse, the same line everywhere down the page. But after every verse, I have a little checkbox, and it says, I understand and agree with the terms. Now you're used to this, you're used to not reading whatever it is Apple tells you to read and sign because you're so eager to run on and get the benefit of the program, click. Now we know that's it's almost a, a, a cliche or a, everyone knows that everyone signs things they don't read, why? And I know this is annoying And I don't want you to run down the page going click, 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 (laughs) And there's enough of them there that even that's going to be annoying. Even just clicking it and not reading it. But each one of them has a verse ahead of it. And I want you, something I was raised with. My, My father is a very, very good man. And he wanted his children to be good, and he wanted them to be good in light of the Bible. And as I've told you, his Christianity never had anything to do with the church he attended, and we'd like to create that in you. That your Christianity has nothing to do with this church you attend. That you bring a quality Christianity to this church, not that we're making you something. But the way he wanted to see us made it, into it was that line you've heard it before what does it say? Do you believe what it says? Are you going to do what it says? Simple, right? Great. But then you get into books like Galatians, or some of the hard teachings of the Lord, some of the places where perhaps the tradition you grew up in isn't well, isn't finding a friendly uh, assessment. And this is what Galatians 5. We're just going through 15 verses. You know, I'd, I'd not had those lines in there before, and it only ate up half the page. So I said, we've got to make this look at least like a long sermon. So each place along this path, again, the the check boxes are merely as a kind of a rhetorical device. I'm not asking you to borrow a pen from the person next to you. So, you can either check or very obviously not check. Like anybody who's going to be watching you, is leave the church with your sermon notes in your hand and see if there's any check or unchecked boxes. Yeah, I disagreed with the apostle. I'm important. I, I go to U of I. Galatians 5 verse 1. Now we added 5.1 to last Sunday's sermon, but I wanted to include it here for tidiness and to start the thread. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand fast therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Guy and I were talking during the break about physical slavery, about how some different religious traditions or whatever people's arguments for or against uh, the role of slavery. Um, Whatever, even when slavery was normative back in the ancient world, Paul said, if you're a slave, don't worry about it, but if freedom avails itself, take opportunity. Because it's always better to be free than be a slave. Always. Even if you have a great master, it's better to be a free man than a slave man. Now, he is talking about, as we know from the early part of Galatians, those who would try to bring the Galatians back under the law of the Jews, and he's saying, that was a yoke of slavery. Why would you go back to this? Stand fast. That means that part of the elements of this passage, when you're going to check the box, I understand and agree with the terms, I... The reason it's phrased that way is I want you to look at the words used and go, yeah, I'm I'm going to get stiffish about this. I had a friend, some of us know him, uh, Dan Nekadam, who years ago had never had an experience at a more charismatic situation. And he went to a charismatic uh, service where there was being slain in the spirit. I don't know if you're familiar. We don't do that here. Where you go forward and the pastor, you know, slays you in the spirit. You don't really die. Like in Acts, Ananias and Sapphira, which is the only biblical slain in the spirit um, I know of. But um, he had never experienced this sort of behavior. And uh, when the guy went to tag him, I'm going to show you this, he naturally drop the foot back like this. Dan did. Guy hit him and he just went back on his foot and bounced back up again. And he couldn't, he, he wasn't ready to just drop. He didn't understand that. He was standing fast. That was the point of that illustration. He was not being knocked over by these forces which were in, in these Galatians' lives, these were admired, educated, evangelistic false teachers who were inside the Christian world. Some of them probably were Christians. But they were handing out the yoke of slavery. And the idea that you want to agree with is, I am not going to stand for this. I'm going to stand against it. Now, I, Paul, say to you, verse 2, that if you receive circumcision, and that was the emblem of stepping back under the law, if you say, huh, I'm a pagan, I became a Christian, these guys come from Jerusalem, and they want to say, you know, growing in Christ, you know, growing in righteousness is going to require that you take on the outward signs and do the outward things that represent You know, being under the law. And Paul says, if you take circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Now, there are many subjects in Christian circles which even the apostles tell us are, uh, you you have different views about You know, it says in Romans 14, you know, welcome the weaker brother, but not for disputes over opinions. We have different views about the Sabbath. We have different views about... uh, what foods you can eat. Yeah, everybody welcomes each other regardless. Some of you have really wrong views. I won't let my gaze rest on anybody in particular. But you're feeling it, aren't you? I'm feeling it. But you're welcome here, because what hey. You could be charismatic, you could be reformed, you could be Anglican, you could be Lutheran, you could be Baptist even. You could even agree with the pastor. Be welcomed here. Now, we know that there are a variety of views, and we're supposed to have that grace to each other, but in some things, this is not Galatians is not a book of theology where I really wonder if I'm on Paul's side in the matter. Paul's letting you know this is not some small arena of theology or practice that you could be different from. This is whether you have Christ or not. This is whether this is Christian anymore. Do you understand that that's what you're up against? Christ will be of no advantage to you. Every, now Christ's name, with these Judaizers from Jerusalem, Christ's name was festooning the whole affair. There was Jesus... Forgiving you on the cross by his death, burial, and resurrection. But don't you know that he expects you to live a life according to the law of Moses? If you do, you're kicking Jesus out of your life. I testify, verse 3 again, to every man who receives circumcision, that he is bound to keep the whole law. Now this is the danger of people who are easily swayed. Because initially someone will come into your life and they'll be hanging the Sabbath law out there. Because one, it's in the Ten Commandments, right? One of the Ten. And we're already worshipping one day a week, you know. Why not have it be this call this the Sabbath, and we're already here at church, and it's a very small move. You can just say, you know, really, the scriptures are really strong about Sabbath observance. Really strong about Sabbath observance. You don't get to play at religion that way. Okay? Just, you want to run with big boys, you want to make statements about holiness or sort the of like, uh, you don't get to make stupid stuff, remarks like that. Because once you grant that the law Is in charge of your life, you are, he is, bound to keep the whole law. You sign up for the authority, if you say, well, the Old Testament says that I should keep the Sabbath. Yes, it also tells you that you can't mix your fabrics. It also tells you that what's some of the other things? Not, Not just the bizarre things, but the absolute law, if it's in charge of you you can't just go and play and pick up part of it you can't just go, well you know the circumcision thing is kind of trendy right now it's so hot you're bound to keep the whole law and you're going to be very busy one just discovering all that you've missed I mean, I could just grab my Bible and. Yeah, rules for killing animals. Are you allowed to not eat grasshoppers? Know that. None of you get, get to be mediums or wizards, okay? No adultery. Say, oh, okay, go work with that, yeah. Uh, giving children to Molech. That's a false god. There's a feast of the first fruits. You gotta do that. Acceptable offerings. You gotta find an altar and a Levite somewhere <laughs> to uh, dig up uh, you know, a turtle dove. You don't even know what a turtle dove is, do you? You don't even have a flock to take an unblemished lamb from and, and go slit its throat. I don't know if you know how bloody this religion was. Even Josephus, when he's describing the temple in, in, in his uh, Wars of the Jews, um, he said it smelled like a slaughterhouse. Because it was constant blood. Everybody was going to the temple with their sacrifice, here's my turtle dove, here's my turtle dove, here's my turtle dove, and guys are cutting the necks of the turtle doves and sprinkling the blood on the altar with a hyssop and all the rest. It was just caked in blood. In a Middle Eastern temperate zone. With no refrigeration. Remarkable. You're welcome to it. If you take circumcision, you've got to keep the whole law. Do you agree? Do you understand what that is? If it is a law above you, basic, this is not just what the law requires, but if I grant that the reason I keep the Sabbath or the reason I keep circumcision or the reason I... is because God told Moses, you have to say, God told Moses a lot of things. And you don't believe... If I pick one law, you're saying, I'm in charge. If you pick one law, you say, I'm in charge. But one law is a very easy way for people to get you into law-keeping. Because then they'll just move it on. Once you get really devout about that Sabbath, they'll start talking to you about pork. Dietary restrictions. Even though our Lord and Christ declared all foods clean. You are severed from Christ. Now he's using that circumcision, and I don't mean to make anyone uncomfortable, the male part of the audience anyway, but circumcision is an operation on your privates. And he's using that image, you are severed from Christ, you who would go after this religious operation, you who would be justified by the law, He's saying circumcision is not because it's circumcision. People still get circumcised today without any religious function at all. But if you're doing it because it's emblematic of your loyalty to the law, you are severed from Christ. If you would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. This is why it is Christ or not. The whole Christian experience, the death of our Lord, was to provide grace for your sins and grace for your life because righteousness was not through the law. And you could be so easily confused by smarter people who've been to seminary who tell you, no, no, this is about justification, not about sanctification. We're just bringing the law in because you need to be sanctified. Well, how can these believers, what's the warning? He says, having begun with the spirit, you're now ending with the flesh? This is going on in Christ. It is about sanctification. It is about those people who are coming to church regularly, and they want to have someone, dear Jesus, tell me what to do. Is there a verse that tells me what to do? Is that cannibalism? I've been thinking about cannibalism lately. And uh, I haven't. Is that really wrong? Really? I saw some orcs on TV last night who were thinking about eating Pippin and what's his name? The other annoying hobbit. May their names be blotted out. Now in moments like that we can understand eating a hobbit. But you say, there's nothing in the Bible about what I should do regarding cannibalism. Some of you, you're just looking for a verse because you want to know what's right to do, what's wrong to do. And someone walks in with a clerical collar or with a, a degree and tells you, "If you would be justified by the law, you're one of those people who don't doesn't have an ear for their grace, doesn't have an ear for their Lord. You've, you you've cut yourself off from Christ. You've cut yourself off." From grace, you've fallen away from it. It no longer is informing you, so you're running around looking for some place that'll give you a set of rules. Do you understand and agree with the terms? Because what Christianity does is what I expect you to do. Because, just say from the outset, I'm agreeing with St. Paul here. Okay. Another thing, I didn't write this. Okay, this was written a long time ago before I was even thought of. And I'm just trying to let you know. And you go home before you check off these boxes, say, Was Evan right with what he said St. Paul was saying? Before I check off anything, before I agree to this program in my life, before I agree with this notion of Christianity, what is he saying? Is he saying that? He said, well, This sounds a little, you're sounding like you're kind of being an antinomian, you know, the, the word antinomian means anti, against, nomos, law. Okay? So antinomians get a short shrift in, in the history of the church because most antinomians are the guys who say, there is no, we're not under any law, I'll meet you at John's Alley. And they, they live a life of license, they, they are wild partiers. But theologically, St. Paul's an antinomian. He's against the law. He understands it's the good that represents the holiness of God, but it's not the path to sanctification. I should not put myself under it. What is the path? For the Christians, say, well, if it's not these uptight people with their knickers in a twist about everything, and I'm going to decide how much, my piety is going to be how much do I get my knickers in a twist? Or the person who's just kind of the free spirit and is just letting anything happen in their church and no standards and dogs and cats living together. What is it? What's the right thing? Verse five for through the spirit for through the spirit, by faith, we wait for the hope of righteousness. That's what Christianity is. What do you you mean? Well, quit thinking about the rules. Start thinking about your Lord. Your faith, where you place it, who you stand before, how much does your knee bend when you bow the knee to Jesus Christ? Is the Spirit of God been given you? Because it's not merely, I think Christianity is right, I need to be like Jesus. I need to be like Christianity's right. I have called on the name of the Lord and I have been baptized in his Holy Spirit. Then the fruit of the Spirit, which we'll cover next week just when you all go away for Thanksgiving is building the things that make for holiness. We wait for the hope of righteousness through the Spirit by faith. You understand and agree with the terms. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail. Now some people get just as legalistic about not doing the thing. Oh, you, the, the Judaizers want you to get circumcised and become all Jewish and stuff. Well, we're going to kick you out of the church if you do. Lighten up, Francis. This is not... Either way, even Paul had uh, Timothy circumcised. Not because he wanted him to be under the law, because he wanted to have him have a ministry to the Jews. Titus, he didn't have circumcised, because it wasn't a rule. We're not following, we're making decisions about things that are open to your own heart. If you decide you're not going to drink, if you decide you're going to circumcise your children, if you decide you're not going to circumcise your children, you aren't going to drink. Whatever it is you're deciding, you're deciding by the spirit and faith in you, and you're not getting all up in somebody else's business. John the Baptist had a real limited lifestyle. He was eating the locusts and the honey and the, you know, wearing the hair shirt and And he had a great impression of Jesus Christ, who hung out at the right parties and wore the best clothes. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, is what he said of Jesus. And Jesus, who had a very free life and made 160 gallons of wine at one particular party, he saw John and said, no man born of woman is greater than John. How can you have such different lives and have such respect for each other's piety? Because it's in the spirit, by faith, creating the righteousness that God wants. It's not circumcision nor uncircumcision. Not yes or no on that. It is faith working through love. Now in James, you've heard of the book of James. James was the Lord's brother. Wrote a book which Martin Luther had a real difficult time with. Because Martin Luther had had all those moments of discovery and he was becoming pretty famous on that faith without work, you know, faith faith alone jazz that the Lutherans are big on. And all Christians actually. Um, And here comes James talking about faith without works is dead. I have that passage, James 2 Seventeen. So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. And what do the Judaizers do at that moment? They find an opening. And that's why the people who believe in faith alone get a little nervous around people like that, because they're saying, oh yeah, see, even though it's after the fact, you need to have these works. And the Christians will say, yeah, amen. But what is... What is Doing the work. Faith, verse 6, working through love. Not me. I, I don't get saved and I'm going to show people that I really love God and really do believe because I'm going to go out there and do a bunch of deeds that the scriptures require of me. I prove that I have the faith by living in the faith itself. Living by the love that the faith creates. That's where the working happens. That's what we're working out. Now, I quoted that James 2 passage, you know, because people do like running there to try to find some old way to leverage the old covenant back into Christianity. Well, see, there is room for works. Well, even with James, it's a shut the heck up moment because there are two verses right before this. A couple of verses before in the earlier chapter, James 1, 25. But he who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. Being no hearer that forgets, but a doer that acts, he shall be blessed in his doing. The law of liberty. That's what the law we're under. He we really calls it the law, the, the royal law in chapter 2. This is the law of Christ. This is how we live. We live by faith. And then at James 2.8, if you really fulfill the royal law, this law of liberty, according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. So James, right before he's got that faith and works thing, is right there on the same page with Paul. Our righteousness, the reason we should not allow the law into our lives, it creates hypocrisy, it creates ineffective pursuit of God, it creates religion where there was a relationship with the living God instead of the spirit working in us through love you were running well verse 7 who hindered you from obeying the truth this is a hindrance and I want you to stop and think to whatever degree you're not having not seeing eye to eye with the apostle on that, to whatever degree you're pausing over these check boxes going I don't know Evan sounds like he's just a licentious what's-it. No. Who hindered you? I don't care if they were famous. These guys were famous from Jerusalem. They were from the big city. They were from the place where Jesus lived. They were from headquarters. Who hindered you? One thing you'd be sure of, verse 8, This persuasion is not from him who calls you. If you're being persuaded to have any aspect of the law in your life because it is the law, it is not Jesus Christ you serve. He's no advantage to you if you're serving it because of the law. You no longer believe in grace if you're doing it because of the law. You've cut yourself off from that. This persuasion is not from him. Do you understand, degree, that the presence of the law in the church is the presence of non-Christian things? Put it out of the back. Non-Christian things. Paul knew he was talking about Bible stuff. Circumcision was Bible stuff. Sabbath observance is Bible stuff. Don't eat pork. That's Bible stuff. It's not from Jesus Christ. Well, it's just a little bit. Shut up. That's what I'm. Verse 9 is that's what I'm getting at. A, a, a little leaven. Leaven's the whole lump. Yid, yid. A little leaven. Oh, but it's just. It's just Sabbath. Just, we're, just, we're just adjusting our diet to be a little bit more Hebrew. Uh. Uh, If you adjust your diet to be a little more Hebrew because you like Hebrew food, great. If you adjust your diet because you, well, you like adventure, I don't know, you you, want to switch it out every so often. We're going to do Irish food next. Fine. Fine. But if you think you're gaining any points in your piety by doing the things that the law requires, you don't realize the destruction, a little leaven. Peter, earlier in this book, all he did was withdraw from eating with the Gentiles when these guys showed up from Jerusalem. All he did was act a little insincerely and Paul was in his face. First Pope. <laughs> Got to beat up the first Pope in a Bible argument. i call that not thinking too low of this. He, his idea is it's slavery. Christ is of no advantage. It's not from him. It's a hindrance. You are severed from Christ. And if you take a little bit of it, it starts to design it starts to design the kind of Christian you're going to be when you're my age and i know y'all want to be like me well it involves a lot of onion rings <laughs> much deep fried wonder what are you going to be like you know as you learn say things like giving we we don't believe i do not you may believe i don't In the tithe law. And it's really bad for a ministry. You should always believe in the tithe law. If you believe in nothing else, believe in the tithe law. Because you can count up the people and go, what's their average paycheck? And go 10%. We can budget on that. Now, we just want you to give because you're giving people. The Lord made you loving. We want you to feel that you love people that you give. We want you to feel like, I'm generous. I enjoy this. Because that kind of action will build the kind of Christian you ought to be. But if you picked up the tithe law, even if it was the same amount on the check, pulled the same amount out of your wallet, $5. Well, that's about 10% of the 50 I got this week, so I'm going to drop it in the offer box. You know, not know my right hand what my left hand is doing, drop it in there. You're being very good about it either way. You're not standing on the street corner giving loudly. But both of you give five, you have five dollars in one case, five dollars in another. One makes a rotten Christian, and one makes a great Christian. Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And if you start obeying the tithe, where's it going to stop? Start obeying your heart, faith working through love, rather than waiting for the church to give you some rules. How are you doing with that, that love you've got? How are you doing with being motivated? Are you waiting for the church to give you instructions? Stuff to, Not stuff to do. Well, until they tell me what to do, I don't know what to do. Check who you are. When it tells us a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. Christ had warned us about the Pharisees and the Sadducees who had opposite views theologically. And he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And I came up with this joke myself this morning. So it doesn't matter. There are many kingdoms of leaven. But only one kingdom of heaven. See it rhymes? <laughs> kingdoms of leaven. You can belong to a lot of them, and they will be decked out with Christian ease. And you could be part of a cool, growing movement that's all part of the Christian Christendom, all the rest or you can be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You might never be cool, you might never be recognized, but you're going to know Jesus Christ and be changed by him. And St. Paul wants you to hold this view. Verse 10, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine. Is that, you understand what he's saying here? Once you decide, yeah, I kind of know what he's saying, and then he kind of, he's doing the check mark thing here. I put those check boxes in there. That's what Paul's doing. I'm just, just, just sign up here. I t- trust you will not take any other view. And he who is troubling you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. Paul was not concerned with chasing down the legalists. You know, he'd face them when he had to. Then there was a debate or a circumstance, a meeting they were in, but he just wanted people to cling to Christ. Let that real religion, real relationship with the Lord be the, be the cause of your holiness. And he hopes that the people that spread bad things, this Pharisee, Sadducee kind of Christianity, would, uh, would get in trouble for it. But, I, but if I, brethren, still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Some people might say that Paul was for this. He's, you know, he's a Pharisee, background. He was, you know, he functioned under certain Jewish things. He says, now, I wouldn't be persecuted if I was, because every religion that man makes, they might not agree with each other, but they're all in agreement that you have a a group of things that you've to do. A group of rules, a group of rules, ceremonies you've got to go through, a group of moral procedures you have to observe. That's what religion is. He says, in that case, the stumbling block of the cross has been removed. That's why Christianity is a stumbling block. Because it is by faith in my, my entrance into it, and it is by faith by my living in it. Are you going to take another view than his? Are you gonna agree with this? You're gonna find out what it says in this book up to this point and go, I agree with that. I'm with Paul on this. I'm not gonna take any other view than his. Realize that the other people, remember the kingdoms of Leaven, the joke that didn't nobody laughed at? Um, the kingdoms of Leaven, they they're about success. They're about getting other people on board. They're about converting you to their viewpoint. Um, They like power. And they take comfort in their power. And they will hurt you. Really, they were hurting Paul. That's why he was persecuted. It wasn't because... The Romans didn't like Christianity. That wasn't late until later. It was the Jews that were persecuting him. Stirring up people to stone him or drag him out of a city. Are you stumbling yourself over this cross? This is what grace is. This is what the Holy Spirit is. You being made into a loving person. That you become more righteous than the Pharisee. As our Lord said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you shall not see the kingdom of heaven. This is how you get there. If you want to pick up the Pharisee road, you'll never be greater than the Pharisees. And then he cuts to the chase. Verse 12, I wish those who unsettle you would mutilate themselves. This is, not, again, this is not the passage you pick up when you're doing like a, a child's Bible study for the five to seven-year-olds. Okay, where, well, okay, we talk about mutilation what we mean is that they would castrate themselves. That's what we mean. Because that's what he meant. These guys were preaching circumcision. He says, if you take that, you're going to be severed from Christ. And I always, you know, frankly, you know, this is why I'm still persecuted. I just wish I'm not going to go hurt them. But, you know, frankly, I wish they'd hurt themselves. I wish they would just cut it off. Mutilate themselves. Do you think Paul holds a strong view on this? Do you think you ought to consider holding a strong view? To stand fast, therefore? To understand this persuasion is not from him? For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love be servants of one another. The biggest argument against this path in Christ is, you're just going to be, you know, it's like telling your kids there are no rules, kids. What? If you tell some teenagers in a youth group, there, okay, um, here's the keys to the church. Fifty dollars. I'll be back in the morning. Dear heavens. We would never do that, why? Because they're not Christians, that's why. Wouldn't you be happy to leave $50 in the, car, the keys to the church with a bunch of Christian young people who were led by the spirit and love for each other? No, we, wanna, we, we don't ever lead them to Christ, one. Then we try to fill in the blanks about their lack of piety with sufficient rules, two. And we find that we've actually created a bunch of people who think they're Christians and are severed from Christ in ways they can't imagine. But those of us who are in Christ need to find, we need to measure what's going on. There is going to be opportunity in the flesh. What does the Holy Spirit tell you? Through love, you will be servants of one another. Through love, you will not insist on your own way. You could read Corinthians fifteen, four thirteen, 13, whatever it is about love. What it does, it's patient, it's kind. We'll be servants of one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, just like James said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Romans 13, he says, St. Paul says, love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is fulfilling the law. Have you had the experience with Christ, with his grace, with his spirit, by your faith, or you had this lazy faith kind of theological grace and, well, we're not quite sure even what the spirit is, you know, just sort of, eh. because this is where our holiness comes from. Through the Spirit, by faith, we wait for the hope of righteousness. This is what Christian goodness comes from. If you want to be good, when you find yourself, well, when the rules are taken away, I'm not good. When the rules are taken away, I'm not good. I'm not going to go back and say, well, then don't let the rules go away. I'm not going to say, you know, um, maybe you need some better rules now. Say, check to see if you're saved. Really? If you're not loving, what is it? Next week, maybe I'm jumping ahead. Fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience. Our whole law is fulfilled. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Where is your religion? Do you get love from God or did you get a bunch of rules? Are you the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of heaven? And I don't mean it funny this time, so you don't have to laugh. When we uh, have allowed the church to be set up in such a way that we're not waiting for people to know Christ and to bow the knee to him to receive his Holy Spirit and to be then moved by the Spirit in them to love one another, to love and good works, we will get the hypocrisies and the calamities of law-based churches, because we'll still get together as churches, and we'll still try to control young people. We'll still try to have rules. If we don't love our neighbor as ourselves, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you're not consumed by one another. What happens in religion? Well, because religion is so religious, because religion gets designed just like everything else, everybody's fighting over the driver's seat, and everybody has got different sorts of rules, and you get splits after splits, and infighting, and viciousness. But the wonderful thing about a church that is held together by saved people, you know, those of you who are visiting, you don't know this, but you can't join this church. I'm not a member of this church, I'm the pastor—I am not remember—I never signed up for this. In many ways, <laughs> um, so if you came and asked me, "Can I join the church?" Nope. But you could be—you've already joined Jesus Christ, or you haven't. And if you've joined Jesus Christ, we would love to have you here, functioning with love towards the others. I don't care what your theology is. As long as you've joined Jesus Christ. If you haven't joined Jesus Christ, you're welcome here to hear the gospel until you join Jesus Christ. But that's what the religion of Christianity is. Because we don't want, we've been a church for what year is this? 23 years. We have no government, we have no constitution. And it works. God has wonderfully provided this building for us. The body of believers. A microphone. That works. Wheels on the piano. We've got lots of stuff. We haven't done a thing normally. We want you to continue. And those of you who are visiting. To think about becoming the kind of Christian. The Lord designs in you. And not the kind of religion designs in you let's thank him dear Lord we are grateful the power of your son's death the power of your Holy Spirit we'd ask that we would be changed people by your spirit by faith waiting for the hope of righteousness help us look out our eyes with love Lord instead of by the law And make us into your kingdom. In your son's name we pray. Amen.